Hi, everybody. My name is John Hastings. I'm the better host of this show, The Wrestler View, where we talk about wrestlers, both the good, the bad, and then we review them. Now coming up, horrible person and someone who smells like uh, baby diapers, Dylan Gott. Go ahead. I don't smell like that. John has a YouTube playlist that's just Pampers commercials. <laughs> First of all, it's not <laughs> just Pampers commercials. It's also DMX songs. He calls <laughs> he calls it Jack Jams. He sets <laughs> Pampers commercials to R. Kelly, and then he fucking whacks his little dick. No, I don't like R. Kelly. I like DMX. I like DMX. That's my defense. <laughs> this is, of course, the wrestler review where one pedophile, John Hastings, and one strong, agile man, Dylan Gott, review the uh, career of a particular pe- professional wrestler, a biography, but done by two comedians who don't source material and just report things as the hearsay because they're more interesting than reality. This week we're doing the Brooklyn Brawler. Before we get into that, I just want to talk about Dylan and I were trying to uh, join a podcasting network and we got some notes back from the head of that network. And one of them was, hey, maybe ease into calling each other pedophiles. And since, <laughs> <laughs> and, by the way, it's the only we, one we disagreed with. But since we got that note, by the way, every episode, it's basically started up with, please welcome my co-host, Kid Fucker. And then it just goes <laughs> the show. <laughs> I wanted to see how long until I was like, when am I going to say something about this? And I was like, this is getting too funny. Because <laughs> we've been hinting at it, but this week it's just, he fucks kids. No, he fucks kids. Now, noted not gay, but everyone says he's gay, man. Steve Lombardi. Yeah, I think that Steve Lombardi's career could be summarized with he found his way ass backwards into being a job guy in what started as a territory and then became all of professional wrestling. He really was the the people you hear about who just were like a receptionist at Microsoft and then got stock. That's exactly it. What 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 he was was he was probably the he was a job guy who came in at, around the same time as Vince started taking control, mm-hmm. and he was the only job guy loyal to Vince Jr. who listened to Vince Jr. and worked the style Vince Jr. liked. So what happened was this guy was nice to Vince Jr. as he's taking control, only one who listened to Vince Jr. And probably a couple of times was like, you're doing a better job around this company than your dad, Vince. And then Vince was like, I know. <laughs> and so he was like, oh, I, and probably he's like, I like this guy. He listens to me as opposed to none of these other wrestlers. I Now, if you'll excuse me, I have to go find Arnold Skoland. Last I saw, he had a bottle of rubbing alcohol and a baby. And let's hope to God he drank the baby and fucked the rubbing alcohol. <laughs> well, and he's the other, by his own admission, he's this, which I think is, it's kind of a weird, it's kind of a weird thing, but... He never said no to anything. Yeah. It would basically suggest jobbing. And he was the he's the perfect employee in that way where every every other wrestler, it feels like, thought they should have been at least featured for a title. Whereas Steve Lombardi was like, You're gonna give me one eight money for what? Yeah. Play fighting. Yeah. I'm there. This is not working on a dock. I couldn't the other thing is, oddly, I think he has a great look because it's like mean guy who he looks exactly like mean guy who gets beat up in an action movie where it's like just the guy who starts a fight with Stallone when Stallone's just trying to mind his own damn business in a bar. Yeah, exactly. He's the kind of guy that like he looks very similar. The best example of this is the guy in The Departed who keeps asking if uh, Leonardo DiCaprio is on his period because he orders cranberry juice and then Ray yeah, exactly. beats the fuck out of him. That's basically the Brooklyn Brawler just in a Martin Scorsese. Martin Scorsese wrote that after watching a bunch of job matches on Monday Night Raw in 1992. <laughs> why, is that, why is that man chewing on a cigar when he's about to do an athletic performance? Fuck you, Marty. Like... um. What I do want to say, though, and I completely agree, is the the first and the big el- the big pink elephant in the room when it comes to Steve Lombardi before we get into his career step by step, and oh, are there some steps, is that Steve Lombardi had his job for over 30 years because uh, Pat Patterson uh, let him suck Steve Bar- Lombardi's penis or vice versa, and I guarantee that never happened and is based purely on... 
uh, wrestlers not liking that that guy was just loved by the office because he said yes all the time. That's what I guarantee. That's where that came from. Because usually at this point in wrestling shoot interviews, there is always one person you can find that'll be like, "Oh, I saw it go in." <laughs> but yeah, he's. He's he's just a brown noser. All you get is 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 Bret Hart. The biggest evidence is Steve Lam- uh, Brooklyn Brawler threatened to fight Bret Hart in the middle '90s because he would do drawings on the backstage on chalkboards or whiteboards. Uh huh. And he did a drawing called the Career Carpet, and it was a bearskin rug. Uh, and on that bearskin rug, uh, Pat Patterson and Vince McMahon were fucking Steve Lombardi and the Ultimate Warrior, respectively, which is the weird, <laughs> just such a weird be like, oh, Vince wants to fuck the Warrior, but Pat goes slumming into the job ranks. Um, <laughs> and Steve Lombardi was like, I'm going to fucking fight this guy. And everyone was like, well, you're not, though. It's Bret Hart. He's from Canada and like... He's known as the crazy one, and his brother is Smith. So, no, you're not going to do fuck all. Yeah, everyone was like, you're going to lose the fight. But that's the interesting thing about pro wrestling, where people believe gimmicks. Do you know what I mean? Like, never really forget this, but, like, Chris Jericho beat up Bill Goldberg. It's the best. And he's not, like, and everyone was probably like, oh, because Goldberg's bigger, for sure. But everyone was thinking, like, oh, Goldberg will just beat up. Jericho because he'll hit him with the spear like for sure he'll hit him with the jackhammer yeah exactly <laughs> yeah like also Chris Jericho mind you is like he's pretty for all the things you can say about him uh his Instagram is hilarious for Jericho but like he also much respect to him when uh Lesnar opened up Randy Orton Hardway at that SummerSlam Jericho was like going to fight him backstage which is crazy because it's like he just knew he would die? No, but here's the thing with Chris Jericho that no one recognizes. And this is something that only you and I would understand because we are from... Oh, he's from Winnipeg, yeah. Exactly. He is not. He's from not big city Canada, and that is an X factor you will not predict. Because this is a guy that... He was probably a nerd in high school, which meant that like he didn't drink in the morning, and sometimes he didn't use the N-word when he sneezed. Like He comes from... And his dad is a NHL hockey player in the 70s. Like, I guarantee yeah. Chris Jericho's childhood was mostly being woken up in the night by a drunken man with CTE just going, you're a fucking Red Wing. You're a fucking <laughs> Red Wing. So, yeah, no, Chris Jericho does not fuck around. And I guarantee when Brock Lesnar came through the curtain, he whispered in Brock's ears and said, ready to die, and then just showed him his dick. He's <laughs> just like, this is what we're going to do. Brock Lesnar respected that. Also, I've heard it said on multiple occasions that Chris Jericho cheats on his wife and plays his own wrestling theme while it happens. No, first of all, I know who your source is on that piece of information, and it's me. And it was not his wrestling theme. It's the band Fozzie. <laughs> I heard wrestling theme. No, it's it's Fozzie. <laughs> I mean, either one is good enough. You imagine if you just, like, hold on, my sweet, and then you just put on your stand-up. You're like, oh, no. <laughs> now, 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 ooh, this is good. Ooh, what an observation. We, You're on tour with someone who drove through a blizzard with a comedian who was like, uh, let me put something on to relax us, and then just put on his own album. We can say the thing. So Peter White, uh, <laughs> I'm on tour with him right now, and that Canadian guy, Glenn Foster, you can look <laughs> up that Canadian guy, Glenn I Foster. I guarantee that Canadian would guy would play was- his own stand-up and then turn to Peter when the the crowd laughed on the recording and look at Peter to see if Peter was laughing and he was never laughing. <laughs> I, um, uh, Peter, why aren't you laughing there? I guess you love the liberal party. Um, that's an impression of Glenn Foster. That's way better than people give it credit for. Now, listen, I mean, no one will ever know. I uh, was just voting for the NDP because I live in hell. Um, <laughs> yeah, I get him. Yeah, reform party. <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing. Um, yeah, it just t- sounds like you're a guy having a stroke, yeah. which is good. Well, that's most Canadians after the age of fifty. I was just mowing the lawn, and now I don't care. <laughs> so let's talk about Steve Lombardi. Uh, a long career. 
with four storylines. Yeah, no, way more. No, f- long career with four characters, baby. Those are the storylines. Oh, yeah. Okay, good point. All right. First character. No, five. Let's do. Okay, we'll count them off and then we'll go through them. Number one, job guy Steve Lombardi. Number two, Brooklyn Brawler. Yeah. Number three, Kimchi. Doink the Clown. No, we're not Doink the Clown yet, you fucking idiot. Kimchi. Okay. Number four, Doink the Clown. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. It's four. Fuck. Oh, Abe Knuckleball Schwartz. That's five. Suck me. Suck me sideways. Steve Lombardi, Kimchi, Doink the Clown, Brooklyn Brawler, Abe Knuckleball Schwartz. Those, I mean, okay, so basically... Here's the crazy thing, is for five whole years, he's just Steve Lombardi I lose on TV. Oh, yeah. Okay, so basically it starts, it's the year is 1983, Steve Lombardi is wandering around Manhattan near the Mad- near Madison Square Garden, and Vince... He was M- trained by Mr. Saito and Arnold Scotland, which is how he got into the WWF. So, by the way, this man definitely, he, this man may be straight or maybe gay, whatever, this man was definitely subjected to some form of abuse because Arnold yeah, Scola- sure. like Arnold Scoland is a piece of shit and his best friend was Andre the Giant. And Mr. Saito is the guy one of the guys that broke Hulk Hogan's leg to break him into the business because he was one of those guys like, Oh, you want to be a wrestler? Break his leg. Not fake now. And they're like, You could have just punched me in the face. No. <laughs> also, it who cares? <laughs> like, you know, I I, wrestling is so much better now. Like the people that populate wrestling, absolutely, are so much better now. If wrestling just happened once a week for an hour, still, like if people still paid for things, wrestling would be just as good as it was in the eighties. But that's not how we live. People don't pay for things anymore. No, so you have to give. You have to always give things away for free. And I think people forget that when they talk about how. Oh, wrestling was so much better in the 80s and 90s. That's because you could put on an hour of essentially just test programming where the fact that you just saw The Miz beat up someone was big. Yeah, people forget that 30 years ago, the idea of watching television still had some novelty to it as opposed to now where it's like, I'm alive and I'm not shitting or fucking in my bed. I'll watch Netflix. Yeah, I'll watch exactly what I want right yeah. now. Rather and than- it better be a sitcom about cooking that's a competition. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to watch people competitively boil these eggs. Yeah. I want to watch Ashton Kutcher and Mila Kunis fuck while also being seamstresses. <laughs> but... I don't know what the hell the point was, but like, yeah, that's that's the basically Steve Lombardi. It seems like he was a normal man who sided with Vince Jr., maybe was a bit of a brown noser, but also how the fuck else are you going to keep a job in a company for 30 years? Yeah, absolutely. You're obviously going to have a good relationship with your boss. And then I don't understand why people got mad, though. I don't understand because it'd be one thing if people got mad and he was... Uh, he had, like, schemed his way to the top, but it took him five years to have a name other than Steve Lombardi. This guy's wearing a diaper and he's losing. Yeah, but I guarantee that, like, but here's what that also comes from partly is they, this was Hulk Hogan was coming in. They, he was probably smart enough to recognize I'm never going to be that guy. I'm never going to be in the running with any of these guys. I'll just keep my head down and keep making my 300 bucks or whatever it is a week in 1983 to work for 20 minutes. Here's what it is, is that, so the old deal for job guys was because this is, remember when your trade was basically how much you won and lost, correct? So yeah. job guys would get 500 bucks, no questions asked for losing clean on TV in a squash match. Yeah. So he made two grand a month just off the jobs. Great. So why not? Yeah, absolutely. And by the way- That's it, minimum. At the end of the territory days, by the way- like job guys like George, um, oh who the George, fuck the not George Scott the other one, the one that like I get Rick, that. the the one that Ric Flair worked with like every second Saturday on NWA television. Yeah, I know who you're talking about. Yeah, like he literally had the best job ever because it was like oh I lived in Charlotte, I went to work one day a week on Saturday, and was paid a fuckload of money for that time and that era. It's great. George South. George South. Fuck me in the there, ass. Yeah, good for you. 
Thank you. Yeah, because that he was the NWA's favorite job guy. Where it's like he could have a bit of a match too. It's like who cares? Just fucking plug him in the face and pin him. That's all you need. Ric Flair literally tried out all of the moves he was going to use on Ricky the Dragon Steamboat in their various encounters on George South to see how they body fell because they apparently like fell and bumped the same way. Wow, that's interesting. Because apparently George South was like a very good worker. It's just that. He looked like shit, so no one ever really pushed him. Yeah, it's the same thing with the two guys called the Malky brothers. And Steve Lombardi, by the way, falls in the same character. Steve Lombardi is really good at taking bumps. Like Part of the thing with being a job guy, especially in this area, is it looked really good. The problem is, like anything the WWE starts doing, it eventually gets run into the ground, and then they dig a mine and find a shaft directly to the center of the earth where they then throw the idea into molten lava it burns up and makes a weird rotten egg smell. Like, that's where we are right now with catchphrases. <laughs> Have you watched fucking... If you watch the WWE, everyone has like an unnecessary... Oh my God, it's Bill Parsons. Everyone, let's get our parcels. Like, it's just... <laughs> fuck you. I don't care who has yeah. kids. It's Everyone has like a fucking dumb catchphrase based purely because Vince McMahon remembered that The Rock said layeth the smacketh down. And then he got a nice check from a t-shirt. Like, that is where that comes from. In the it's same way that yeah. using job guys to promote bigger guys, if you watched wrestling in the 90s, because in the 80s and 70s, that's how you built up a television show and then got people into um, live events. So by the time it's the 90s, Vince McMahon is literally like, Brooklyn Brawler versus Mantar. Mantar coughs Brooklyn Brawler fakes stroke. <laughs> But five years before he's even the Brooklyn Brawler, the closest thing, the first time he doesn't lose a match is against Jerry Valiant. That's three or four, four months, we'll say, because it was late 83 when he comes in. So March 18th, he draws Jerry Valiant, um, and that is, of course, at MSG, and he's just losing to everybody. Big John Studd, Paul Orndorff, Dave Schultz, Iron Mike Sharp, Rocky Johnson. <laughs> Do you know what happened in that draw with uh, Jerry Valiant? He sucked off Jerry Valiant. No, S Steve Lombardi was like, I'm going to draw you like one of my French girls. Because he's cause that's <laughs> yeah, from Titanic yeah, yeah. and that movie's gay and Steve Lombardi's gay. I'm very sorry, everybody. That's good stuff, though. Yeah, that's yeah, good stuff. yeah, yeah, yeah. He even lost to uh, Bobby Heenan. Like, that's how... I mean, well, that's not... That's pretty fantastic. Like... Especially from when his his big WrestleMania highlight, which we'll discuss when he becomes the Brooklyn Brawler, five years into his career. Keep in mind, five years into The Rock's career, he was the WWF champion twice. Five years into Brock Lesnar's career, he was in the UFC. Five years into Steve Lombardi's career, he's lost to a manager and he drew once against a man who has the weirdest man boobs conceivably. Like, how is it so loose, your skin? Every time you see Jerry Valley. <laughs> well, that's the, he gained his first win via pin against Terry Gibbs in Pittsburgh on August 9th, 1986. So that's three full years. That's the day, the day that everyone was like, he sucks Pat Patterson's dick. <laughs> I have a bunch of baseless accusations and I am absolutely elated to share them with you. That's very <laughs> funny. That's very, yeah, I have no proof, but you did it. Here's the proof. I'm, you've tried to fuck me because I'm hot. It must be great to call someone gay while being a pro wrestler. Like, you're literally oiling up your body that you, most of what you talk about is a, a good place to get a tan and you share a gym in places. Like, just a stereotype in the 80s of what a gay man is and you're calling someone gay. <laughs> it's very funny. Absolutely. Can you imagine if, imagine if musicals were homophobic? That's essentially professional wrestling. It's like you're doing one of the most flamboyant things you can do and you're homophobic. It's very good stuff. Just so such good hypocrisy. He started teaming with Barry Horowitz in 1987, and I don't have, I don't know how I missed this as a kid. I mean, I was two at this time, but Not that is the jobbiest job tag team. Like, there's some indie show somewhere where, like, all elite wrestling will have them be the tag champions, ironically, because that's who they're making this for. The unstoppable force. And the immovable object. Yeah. 
Spaghetti and the Jew. That was their tag team name. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Their tag team name was People I Don't Respect and Steve Lombardi. <laughs> oh, Barrow Horowitz. But uh, Steve Lombardi, of course, gets a uh, complete makeover in 1989. Um as part of a Red Rooster Bobby Heenan breakup angle where Bobby Heenan says he could make anyone famous. And that, of course, is when he makes the just takes the Brooklyn Brawler, uh, takes, sorry, Steve Lombardi, turns him into the Brooklyn Brawler. And here's how you know that they had no plans for the Brooklyn Brawler is when has this ever happened? Bobby Heenan says he had an amicable breakup with him. I mean... What in the name of fucking God is going on? Also, that's like that's like R. Kelly being like, you know what? We just saw different. <laughs> we went on three dates and it didn't work out. Yeah. It's uh, like, <laughs> what um, the fuck? <laughs> yeah. Oh, she was young enough and she could really be a toilet. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I just didn't really like her vibe. It made you made it seem like you were gonna skirt around the issue, and then you just said exactly what happened. I watched all of the R. Kelly surviving R. Kelly. Listen, uh, she was uh, let's let's just say she was uh, fourteen, if you get my drift, and I pissed in her mouth, if you get my drift. Oh wait, sorry, I said. Wait a minute. I want R. Kelly to die, and I want to be there to watch it. I want to watch R. Kelly die live. Like I want to stand there and be like, yum, 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 yum. <laughs> So, but all right. So, Brooklyn Brawler is—he's rebranded Steve Lombardi as, as the Brooklyn Brawler, and then of course he just loses repeatedly to the Red Rooster Terry Taylor, who they also fucking hated. I guarantee this is when they started getting mad because Terry Taylor is a not a legacy, but he's a TV champion from the NWA. He comes over, everyone hates him, so they make him become a chicken and fight Bobby Heenan. Bobby Heenan has a amicable br- breakup, as I said, with uh, the Brooklyn Brawler, and in-job matches is always complimentary to them, and that's, like I said, that's how you know no one cares about your character, is like, you're not even worth Bobby Heenan beating you down. Of course, the other thing is, it means something to have a gimmick jobber, because he almost stands out more than it. He almost stands out more than a lot of characters on TV, by which I mean every jobber is just Steve Davidson. And then it's a guy with green tights and two non-complimentary colors as knee pads that are different. It's like green with fucking purple and hot pink knee pads and then white boots. And the guy's a slob and he's five foot eight. And then the warlord throws him into the crowd and kids rip him limb from limb. Versus Steve Lombardi, who was, for what you can say, in good shape. Yeah, he was in. He was in good shape. He de- like sort of. It was a fun, fun in joke of he was from New York. Clearly a New York character. They're based in New York, and was a bit recognizable in terms of like you could say, oh well, like maybe he'll get one. Maybe he'll. Maybe this is the one he'll win. Yeah, but he was a you know he's a heel job guy, which is great. Him and Barry Horowitz, great heel job guys, because you you couldn't you had to have at this point guys be huge heels for a babyface to beat them. If that makes any sense, like because. You couldn't just have a... Th- then the babyface is just beating up some weak man when he's yeah. doing job matches, you know? As opposed to it's like, this guy's a piece of shit, get him. And it's like, yeah. oh, good. So they would always do this. Like, the like the job guy would, like... Bret Hart would, like, turn his back while he was giving... Uh, the his, Putting his jacket on the ring post, and the job guy would run and attack him from behind. But you didn't need to do that with Brooklyn Brawler. He could just stand there and then lose. Yeah, absolutely. And also... Um, um, also, the fun thing about having Brooklyn Baller in the ring is Gorilla Monsoon could take the opportunity to constantly just talk about how Pat Patterson was showing a lot of interest in this youngster. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He knows a lot of moves from behind. Yeah, that oh was another my thing God. Gorilla Monsoon said. If you, yeah, if you just type in Gorilla Monsoon, Brooklyn Brawler, Gorilla Monsoon, Stephen Bart, no one really is overtly just being like, this guy's gay and that's bad, except for Gorilla Monsoon thinks it, clearly thinks it's the funniest thing in the world. <laughs> Yeah, of course, because Gorilla Monsoon is... He's hes trying... To, it's so funny, because if he came after JR, you'd say he's trying to be JR, but he's not as good at it. But uh, he is not... Like, <laughs> Jim Ross is the king of every time Pat Patterson is 
in the ring, he just goes, he's available, gentlemen. That matters and show what makes him so popular in nightclubs here at Poughkeepsie. Like, just shit like that. Oh, yeah. Well, and what was weird, though, is you could tell that he was clearly still afraid of Gerald Briscoe because he never once was like, he fucks Jerry, he fucks Briscoe because Briscoe would walk over and be like, oh, I think you'll find there, uh, JR, that uh, uh, men kiss women. But here's the thing about uh, Jim Ross is literally it's so because here's the two things that Jim Ross I'm ass- I've listened to Jim Ross like uh, at length. We did the Lita episode and that was really eye opening because basically Lita tried to talk about wrestling and then Jim Ross was like, well, answer this question. Basically, you have big old guns and. Teenagers masturbated to them feverishly. That's base. He just keeps on being like, but uh, let's not forget, you're a woman, and that means you exist for men to blast little on. That's literally the whole interview. Hello, Lita. I just want to let you know you are property. All right, go ahead. <laughs> just a just a short reminder here. You maybe uh, think yourself as a person, but I think of you as a fridge. The talks. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Just just good to know that this restaurant that makes kids is still alive. <laughs> so, but here's the thing about Jim Ross calling a Jerry Briscoe Pat Patterson match is that it's literally a French gay man, which two things that Jim Ross was raised to hate just as he was raised to love Jesus Christ. And then his answer to Jesus Christ, which is Jerry Briscoe, a Oklahoma national wrestling champion fair point which it's like so it's like every time like pat patterson does the stink face and he's like he's a he's available gentlemen and then jerry briscoe does the like falls in poo and he's like that's a two-time national wrestling champion oklahoma sooners he just calls it like that man could beat up anyone i know that man could be ufc champion right now even though he's 63 and everyone believes that i don't know it's a weird thing around Jerry Briscoe. I think also it's weird that Jerry Briscoe was like, Jack Briscoe was like, I'm going to do this auto repair shop because I don't want to like stick pudding up my butt or whatever Vince McMahon thinks is funny. This weird carny son is going to write wrestling now. Well, it's also one of those things that the Briscoe brothers were directly responsible for Vince McMahon getting hold of NWA television time. So I guarantee they were like, ooh, if he loses, we're going to need a backup plan. So they started that body shop and are fine. Yeah, they're doing great. The Brooklyn Brawler gets a couple wins in 1990 over the Red Rooster, who, of course, soon left for WCW. And that is the biggest fuck you to anyone I've ever heard in my life. Can we... Clean losses to the Brooklyn Brawler that aren't flukes. Before we leave the Brooklyn Brawler, can we please discuss his WrestleMania moment? Tell me, bitch. Uh, Ultimate Warrior um, beats up Bobby Heenan after his, the Bobby Heenan cost uh, Ultimate Warrior the Intercontinental title with Rick Rude. Instead of, you know, being a wrestler and not hurting him very badly, um, the Ultimate Warrior just gorilla pressed him and dropped him on the fucking ground and hurt him quite severely, causing... Um, Vince uh, McMahon to send the Brooklyn Brawler out with uh, Bobby Heenan. Bobby Heenan looking visibly angry and visibly hurt. So um, the Brooklyn Brawler goes in, gets attacked by the Red Rooster, and then somehow there's a count out, and it's hell. (laughs) But that's what the Brawler is. He's just there. It's a fair point. He's just hanging out. But he's also like someone you can send out who's people know and people think is fun. Like, he's just a fun character. He's not fun. He is fun. No, you're wrong. You don't know what fun is. When I was a kid and I would see the Brooklyn Brawler, I remember thinking, oh, sick, someone's going to beat up this kind of fat guy. Yeah, but that's because you also were a terrible man. He looks like the uncles that my mom wouldn't let in the house. So you. He's not He's not allowed in the house. Yeah, so you. <laughs> that's you. Did you ever have any family members where your mom was like, I'm not leaving him around my watches? No, my mom, like, my family was weird where it's like, like everything was totally fine and then we just had a decade of just sort of like no one likes each other and then it's all <laughs> and it's all like calm down and everyone's kind of worked through it it's pretty fantastic but yeah there was there was a time there Woo, rough stuff oh straight up the straight up uh craft dinner mayonnaise family those type of white people we just yeah I had a disagreement with you about some salad 14 years ago, and we haven't talked. (laughs) And we will never talk, and we won't bring up what the disagreement was about. We'll just nod in public. That's 
family, baby. There's sides of like on my dad's side of the family. There's like there's whole like batches of cousins I don't even know exist. Like it's just like. Every once in a while, someone dies, and then someone shows up, and they're like, oh, this person's here. This is your first cousin. You're like, what in the name of fuck is going on here? Yeah, that's great. I don't know. It makes me respect uh, European families, because definitely my wife's family is like, hey, this is Uncle Billy. He stole my car once when he was high on blow, you piece of shit. And then they just still talk, and I'm like, oh, sick. I don't talk to... I don't talk to an uncle who once uh, liked a team I didn't like. (laughs) Like, listen, straight up, like, Anglo-Saxon white people... If they're not directly in your fucking house, it's it's like they're it's very quickly just sort of like fuck this fucking fuck, as opposed to like yeah, where are you? I'm from Greece. Who's this person? This is my eleventh cousin, forty-seven times removed. He killed my baby because he misunderstood uh, what about means. He heard abortion. Um, he lives with me. <laughs> exactly. All right. So we're gonna we're gonna cut that uh, this off now and take a fun break, where we endorse our Patreon feed, and then we'll come back with more of the Brooklyn Brawler, his last three gimmicks. Right after this. Suck me hard in my face. Oh hi everyone. I think you're all wondering, does Dylan use condoms? No, and that's why you need to do- donate to Patreon because he has a lot of children his wife doesn't know about. <laughs> I am the king. I coined the phrase risky cream pie. <laughs> and you need to give me to Patreon to help my maybe there's a baby fun. Patreon.com backslash wrestler review. If you don't want to do that, uh, you're a fucking loser. But if you're still a fucking loser and you're okay with that, rate us on iTunes. It does help with the algorithms for old fucking uh, Steve Slobs' goddamn Apple things. So rate us on iTunes, rate us on SoundCloud, rate us in real life, 1 to 10. Here's a hint, we're both 10s. Oh my god. So the Brooklyn Brawler hilariously uh, not even ran his course. I think they were just. I think that, that t-shirt just got too ripped to be used for a while, so they needed him to do some other stuff. While also being the Brooklyn Brawler, he began being my personal favorite character of all time kimchi dylan would you like to explain who kimchi is we should actually say i'm sorry because he had another storyline as the brooklyn brawler we'll just talk about quickly before we go on to kimchi which is he um he faced bully Busick in a couple matches oh and yeah this led to like a quasi face turn where bully Busick. here's how you get a guy over by the way bully Busick needed help from harvey whippleman to beat the brooklyn brawler which is <laughs> that's that's how you get a character over did this guy lose to this this guy lose the iron mike sharp the only guy iron mike sharp has ever beaten clean yes but also the bully bully Busick just needs <laughs> he, he just needs to uh he needs help so yeah tell me about kimchi Kimchi was, so they have a black man named Kamala, who is the Ugandan giant. So far, so good. He is managed by Harvey, um, by Dr. Harvey Whippleman. But because he's such a savage, he also needs a handler, and that handler is kimchi. Now, here's the best part. Kimchi is clearly a Korean dish, and Vince McMahon thought it was African, so they called him kimchi. (laughs) <laughs> this is Kamala's manager, uh, Sticky Rice. <laughs> yeah, and it, yeah, Harvey. Yeah, and Harvey Kumpow Whippleman from Uganda. Uh, also, clearly, they wanted Kimchi to be a black guy, but they—he wasn't a black guy, so they just put a white and black mask on his face. And a weird jungle hat. And it was never explained what the fuck he did. It was awesome. I really wish he would have just been the Brooklyn Brawler as his handler. That would have been even fucking better. Just explaining things. Hey, you from Uganda? That's the Utah staple. Don't worry about it. Just uh, every time he gets too excited, he just gives him a bunch of cigarettes. <laughs> He's got Kamala addicted cigarettes now. <laughs> Hey, Kamala, sorry these aren't cool menthols. I know that's what your people like, you know, African <laughs> Jesus Christ. Hey, Kamala, shouldn't that moon be on your ass? Because that's when you give people the moon. Okay, no big deal. Forget about it. Um, <laughs> no big deal, buddy. Uh, Kamala, by the way, noted, um, really loves Steve Lombardi and said he would give him a standing ovation at his Hall of Fame acceptance speech, except for one problem. Now, um, 
Kamala uh, had big problems with the WWF, claiming that he was paid as little for as thirteen thousand uh, dollars when he faced the Undertaker, who was apparently paid five hundred thousand um, dollars. Mm-hmm. Even Dave Meltzer says that's not true. <laughs> but he was actually the the brawler was MVP before he was Kimchi. Yes, he was. I just want to f- uh, cover how uh, Kamala left being represented by Kimchi and Kamala, which is um, okay. He lost in a casket back to The Undertaker, and the Reverend Slick said he was going to humanize him, and so he took him bowling. They then feuded. That's very funny. They feuded very briefly. Um, Kamala had a couple of matches with Bam Bam Bigelow. The match was ca- uh, their match at WrestleMania Nine was canceled. He lost at a qualifying match uh, for the King of the Ring and um, left. Basically, that's basically it. Yeah, he was M- he was MVP. He was Doink, and he was Kimchi all within the span of a calendar year. So he starts as MVP, which is like a baseball gimmick. Basically, they stole the baseball gang from the Warriors, which is everyone's kind of favorite gang. Where it's yeah. like, yeah, I mean, don't take this movie seriously. These guys love baseball. That's that's their character. Different First of all, you're wrong. Shit. He was uh, Kim. He started as Kimchi. In 1993, Kimchi would have been the first one he would have been, wouldn't it? Because he would have started as Kimchi. No, as MVP. As early as MVP, but he was also he would have been also still managing Kamala at the same time as Kimchi. Wouldn't it have been for. I mean, that's totally that's totally plausible. I mean, it's not like Kimchi essentially just had to walk out and hit a like. But that's totally possible. I'm just re- I'm just reading. Uh, I'm I'm just going according to Wikipedia, which can be wrong from time. I to just want to go. I just want to go see chronologically how he went through it. I think it was he was Kimchi. Then he was MVP. Explain who MVP is, and then I'm going to explain why he was no longer called MVP and then rebranded. Go ahead. It's the best reason. Oh, I explained. He's uh, he's he's like a baseball player, like uh, a la the movie The Warriors. Yes, but do you know why they stopped calling him MB- MVP and then he came back two years later as Abe Knuckleball Schwartz? It's the best. I don't know why. Vince McMahon was afraid he was going to be sued by a sports organization. <laughs> I mean, sure, but yeah, that's so funny. He's just like, they'll sue us. Um, that's a thing that everyone uses. No. Yeah, it's fucking I ridiculous. Really like, I really like the... Uh, or I was hoping that he... Vince McMahon had a funding in the movie Most Valuable Primate. (laughs) (laughs) We can't call you MVP because Airbud and the MVP are going to be the champions in a week. (laughs) Airbud's going to win the title. How close do you think Vince McMahon has been to having a man wrestle a dog? Uh, It almost happened at the... Well, he basically wanted part of that for the kettle from hell match and then he didn't count on the fact that dogs get scared when there's 30,000 people screaming so they just shit and fuck (laughs) (laughs) it's my favorite thing i've ever seen i love it so much how'd that match go oh not good man a lot of dogs shitting (laughs) the doink thing is crazy though because matt bourne who was playing doink who is like a very well respected territorial wrestler leaves because basically they're like it's doink you're in face paint we don't need you anymore oh and also no 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 let me just say this about matt bourne no one has come across more like the kind of guy who shows up to a funeral in a t-shirt with a wolf on it like he looks like such a piece of shit i'm sure he is he's a territorial wrestler yeah like he's we started this there's been a lot of accusations of pat patterson be a pedophile there are a lot of accusations of matt Bourne just straight up being like yeah she's 14 and she ain't ever period but where was i supposed to come that's but i mean that's unfortunately every single wrestler not every single wrestler no, not Ric Flair, which he basically, in the greatest promo of all time. Oh, yeah. When he holds up a training bra and is like, the Rock and Roll Express fucks kids. I <laughs> fuck big tits. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, one of the... <laughs> I gotta, I gotta say this. Uh, I wish end. someone would do that at a UFC pay-per-view. <laughs> like, they say UFC is becoming like wrestling. I want to see, see Conor McGregor's next opponent come out and be like, you fuck kids. I fuck women i guarantee if you if you can get to job 
if you can get to Daniel Cormier, he'll say that about John Jones. Like they're they're at that point. Like because Daniel Cormier is the second greatest fighter in his weight class, and he just needs something to get in John Jones's head. And I think that that's the way to set it off is just have that match one more time based purely on the fact that Daniel Cormier just keeps calling John Jones a pedophile. I would love to love to have chosen a different life path so I could just be a fighter who just calls his opponents pedophiles. <laughs> like you can you can absolutely be that guy if you want to. I'm 33. I don't know if I can I'm 33 with bad knees and ankles. I don't know if I can just turn it on and make the UFC now. <laughs> I believe in you, baby. Yeah, two solid years of uh Billy Blanks's Tybo and I went in the UFC. <laughs> I lost. I'm not going to say that I'm good at anything, but I am going to say that you will be surprised at how long it takes me to lose. <laughs> I just run around the cage until <laughs> two minutes that time. Yeah. So, oh, he's both crying and shitting. <laughs> he wrestles as Doink, and this is a big turn in the Doink character because people forget this, but Doink was basically kind of modeled after, obviously, a cleaner version of It the Clown. It's like an evil clown. And then it becomes happy, happy time doink, and they get the brawler to be doink in small doses, essentially, before they find someone else who can work as doink. And this marks doink. This is the first, this is doink turns baby face. He gets a manager named Dank. Oh, yeah. Which There's everyone remembers fondly because we were all eight. I loved it. Like, that's the thing is also when people are like, oh, wrestling's for kids, no kids watching now. I'm like, I guarantee there's kids now watching it being like this. Like, Doink the Clown, all day Doink the Clown. And not even Matt there's Bourne. definitely Doink. kids watching it. Matt Bourne Doink the Clown is pooey compared to Steve Lombardi Doink the Clown. Oh, fuck yeah, all day. Like, oh, him and Dink just going to run around the ring and then do nothing? Ooh, are men on the mission going to paint themselves like clowns and be weirdly creepy? Everything. I love everything about it. Yeah, exactly. And the other one uh, about that, yeah, guaranteed kids watch it because Alexa Bliss's uh, thing that happened this past Monday where someone just walked in on her changing is at like 5 million views. We're recording this a week early, but there was like 5 million views in like three days. Like yeah. kids watch it. And a million of those is from you, you fucking creep. I would hope that's not grown men but it could be because i mean people are fucking weird did you know this he goes back to the broken brawler in 1993 i did know that yes he's jobbing at some people who gives a shit about that because baby it's abe knuckleball schwartz which is an expression of vince mcmahon's favorite fucking thing which is him telling the audience hey baseball is on strike this is of course 1994 the world series doesn't happen because baseball is mired in such a huge strike his favorite thing to do which is hey don't worry, there's no unions in this. These people are slaves. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, and he just would um, basically pretend to be on strike. It was pretty fucking great. Also, you missed one other thing he did, which was Steve Lombardi was also one of Jerry, uh, one of Shawn Michaels' knights in his match against the um, Hart family. Yeah, he was the Red Knight, yeah. Yeah, he was the Red Knight. And by the way, why uh, Shawn Michaels had knights is because it was supposed to be Jerry Lawler, but Jerry Lawler... Got caught doing his quote-unquote favorite thing. Yeah, doing the Memphis Shuffle. Yeah. Fucking a 14-year-old. Yeah. Fucking a 14-year-old and quite hilariously somehow still... Like, Jerry Lawler is the Kevin Spacey, Louis C.K. Uh, slash O.J. Simpson slash R. Kelly of the wrestling industry. Where it's... We all know he's awful and definitely a sex criminal. And also everyone involved continues to be like yeah but prove it and it's like well here's all this evidence nah well i mean jerry lawler is not the oj simpson of wrestling i would say yes, jerry is. lawler yes he, he killed his son the roman polanski of, <laughs> he killed <laughs> <laughs> you're embarrassing the family brian <laughs> and they just shoved a bunch of pills in his mouth <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah that's the ultimate yeah. That's the ultimate thing that's ever happened. Yeah, by the way. On this show. By the way, uh, I was talking with Brendan Burns last week, and he was like, you need to be careful saying controversial things about wrestlers. Hey, Jerry Lawler, if you have any problem with what I've said, I live in Los Angeles. I will fight you, you fucking pedophile. Here's my first move. 
bring a toy to the fight. You'll be distracted trying to smell it, and then I'll punch you in the heart, you fucking sex criminal. <laughs> he murders son. Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Jerry hey, Lawler, you full-on murdered your son. You're a piece of shit. Fuck you. You're a piece of shit. What is it like to be able to be, to be said that Jeff Jarrett is clearly the more moral of the two pe- famous people from Memphis Wrestling? That's, that's a rough Jerry thing. Jarrett, you mean? No, uh, oh, Jerry Jarrett. Oh, you mean Jeff? I mean Jeff. I mean I mean the guy that started a wrestling company and then turned it into a pyramid scheme about gold within a year. I love Jeff Jarrett. He's just making money wherever he can. Is he? Yeah, of course. When he was in New Japan for a spell and how angry everyone got, it was so good. <laughs> yeah, but you... You also like it when like the wrestling world is burning. Like you love the Katie Vick angle more than anyone I've ever met. I love it when people who are somehow twice as fat as me record vlogs where they don't understand how they're f- they're so mad that they're just yelling at their laptop mic with the camera on their computer on like doing those nerd like <laughs> noises. Like that's my favorite thing. About wrestling, maybe. Yeah, my favorite thing is about uh, is just all the respect shown to people of minority backgrounds. That's true, like kimchi. Yeah, yeah, like kimchi. <laughs> so he kind of he, he just was on strike. Abe Knuckleball Schwartz was for the entire year, and that was the joke. And then uh, and then Vince McMahon actually opened the show by saying baseball's on strike, which is bad. Most of the people on this television show are going to be dead in 10 years. And he said that right into the camera, and it was true. Yep. We don't have a union, so all these people will die. Because I work them 300 days a year, and they have to jump to the outside and land just on their head on the concrete. Mm-hmm. Or else they don't get the $60. Yeah. Oh, and by the way, it's the middle 90s, so the four top wrestlers have named themselves The Click... And uh, if you say anything against them, they will shit on your stuff. So not only are you stressed out in the ring because you're being physically exerted, you're being bullied by four walking pieces of garbage, one of whom is on drugs. The other one is cheating on his wife so much that she laughs about it. Another one is taking so much liquid painkillers he's not eating and he has abs. And another one will just full on make a cuck out of you because he doesn't like you. <laughs> this is really good. Um, he goes back to being the broken brawler after some like losses as Abe Knuckleball Schwartz because once baseball's back on, basically the character is done. Um, there was in 1995 they ushered in the Raw Bowl with the first annual Steve Lombardi Trophy. <laughs> so good, and he helped get the Rock in. He was one of the guys who like hung out with the Rock when he first, of course, uh, came in the company because that's how trusted he is. Yeah, and again, everyone still will be like, and because he's gay, and it's like he's not gay. It's Pat. Like, did you hear? Go on. Did you ever hear about this where Vince McMahon was like flustered because someone didn't show up to this twenty-man battle royal, and it was in New York, so he just had the Brooklyn Brawler win, and then he was like, "Whatever, you're in, you're in, uh, you're just win." And then Brawler knew that the stipulation was the next time you're at the garden you get a title shot and he just didn't say anything that's and then after he won he was like oh i just remembered i get a title i'm so sorry you don't have to give it to me and you know what vince McMahon's like you know what fuck it and just gave him a title shot this is the crowning moment of this man's life i love it so much he wrestled for he wrestled for 15 minutes against Shawn michaels uh it came out to new york new york it's fucking fantastic of course and he won (laughs) he lost yeah, of course he won. But Michaels gave him 15 minutes. I'm sure it was a good match, too. Michaels was fucking great at that time. But that's and also, really cool. by the way, like, and Brooklyn Brawler, not a bad wrestler. I mean, he's not good. He's just a wrestler. Like, he's just okay. But it's one of those things where he's pretty good at, um, like, he's good. It, here's the thing. He's good at bumping and, good. like, there's a bunch of stuff he can do um, that yeah. a lot of wrestlers now don't really do. Like what? Just how he bumps. He'll actively, like, you'll hit him on one back. Uh, you hit him on the back three times, and he'll sell the back for the rest of the match, which they just don't do anymore. Um, like, he will, he'll remember things. 
he will he'll sort of do like running like sort of how he'll take a bump at certain bumps he'll act like oh that was devastating other bumps he'll get on his feet and sell winded all sort of just sort of things that go like oh this move shows a level of impact different than that move as opposed to a lot of wrestling selling now which is like Oh my God, he hit him with a punch, he's down. Oh my God, he hit him with 11 pile drivers and he's up. Like there's just not a lot of logic to the storytelling in the same way. Brooklyn Brawler will really tell you a story in the ring. Yeah, and that story is, I'm making 500 bucks, bro. (laughs) Five, bro. Five, hundy. Uh, Steve Lombardi then quickly, he became a producer and a road agent for many, many years. Uh, not only was he um, influential in The Rock, he was also really influential in Jonathan Cena's career and was one of the few people that was a big advocate for him, uh, as well as being the road agent for most of John Cena's matches during that first big run he had post-WrestleMania 21, as well as being the producer for the weird web show that John Cena had called Five Questions with the Champ, where they wouldn't let him swear. Instead of swearing, he would just say brawler. (laughs) Here's the thing, though, if I can tell you this. I think that he also might just he might just be one of those people who can recognize talent really well and he attaches himself to that talent. So like for yeah. instance, he's a re- he's he's lasted longer than 5 years in the wrestling business. A hundred percent that's what he does. Yeah. But Ooh. I mean, I'm sure that like attaching yourself to the rock and to the rock and John Cena right at the point where jobbers become obsolete. Like, The Rock comes into the company in 1995, they're done with jobbers by 1997. So, like, that's huge. He transitions really well into being a road agent. Once he's a, once jobbers are obsolete, essentially, he transfers really well into being a road agent. In the year 2000-ish, um, it becomes that thing, and I don't like that they do this so often now, where they give him a bunch of wins on TV just because it's like, holy shit, the Brooklyn Brawler won. So, like, he beats the Godfather. Um, he actually beat a couple people on house shows, which, once again, that's how you know you're on you're on the way out. He beats Joey Abs, and if you remember Just Joe. Oh, I don't know if I do remember Just Joe. Tell me more. Oh, man. No, he just he just walked up to people like, it's Just Joe. That was it. <laughs> that was his whole character. Yeah, no, I don't know he who He was this is. guy, Joey Legend, from uh, the Toronto indie scene, and everyone was like, holy shit, we done made it. And then everyone's like, it's Just Joe, and then Vince McMahon was like, you're fired. <laughs> I like that. I like that a lot. But yes, my friend, and he basically just comes back for old school Raws throughout. He was actually, uh, he, he was out of the uh, company... Um, by May 2016, he was released, and uh, according to Psycho Sid, that's because he was leaking information to the dirt sheets. Yeah, no, that was that comes from Psycho Sid, and a few other people have all said he was leaking information to the dirt sheets. That's possible. It makes sense. Sure. Also, they, he may have just wanted to retire. Is also the big poss like. He did wrestle for 30. He worked for 30 years. And also, like, do some indies. Yeah. Sure. Travel a bit. Isis asshole from 30 years of getting fucked <laughs> by Pat yeah, I'm so sorry. Pounded. Dry pounded. I actually don't like, I don't believe it for a second that any of that. It's. I truly believe it's just bullying on the Because all the people making the accusations are also all pieces of shit. Yeah, I mean, for sure. He was the original brown noser. Uh, beyond, he was the brown noser you could make fun of in public versus Bruce Pritchard where you'd get fired. Uh, yeah, I'm going to take the word of noted bag of shit, Brutus the Barber Beefcake. Go fuck yourself. Yeah, I mean, that's just. it's just fun. It's just fun for them to call people geebok then. What's your favorite thing about the Brooklyn Brawler, John? That shirt, man. I fucking love that shirt. Just torn so many places. Why are you wearing a shirt that leaves nothing to the imagination? Like, you're clearly conscious about your your body, but not taking no steps to prevent people <laughs> from seeing it. Yeah, yeah, it's like, yeah, just, yeah, man, just be shirtless. Like, that's way... It looks way better. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. As opposed to what you're doing, which is making us all uncomfortable. Dylan, what's your favorite thing about uh, the Brooklyn Brawler? I think my favorite thing about Steve Lombardi is that he was clearly just drunk while everyone else in the 80s was were on coke. That's very good. That's very good. <laughs> Listen to his uh, I Am Jericho podcast because it's like some insane stories like Carrie Von Eric like, just standing on top of a car while he's on the highway. Like, not staying on top of a car, sorry, but, like, leaning out the side of a car with only his good foot. Because, remember this, Carrie Von Eric had a prosthetic foot for, like, the last seven years of his life. 
and just like leaning out the side of a car with his prosthetic foot being the only thing keeping him on the uh, car itself. It's uh, it's fascinating stuff. And him being like, whoa, buddy, why are you fucking doing this? He's just kind of like a dumb, nice guy. All right. And he was stupid. Like he's stupid enough to be nice to people in a locker room full of weird pieces of shit. And then that got him bullied, essentially. But, I mean, how bullied was he? Because he he's alive and Carrie Von Eric isn't. <laughs> yeah, I think, like, I am I would much rather spend a weekend with the Brooklyn Brawler than 45 minutes with a Von Eric. <laughs> Just them looking at... That's yeah. funny. Fritz used, to, Fritz used to teach me a lesson with his penis. <laughs> <laughs> Just, uh, hey, uh, Carrie, would you like a slice of pizza? I don't want to do that! Wait, what are you talking about? Uh... If we ever ate cheese, we'd have to suck our dad's dick and then eat. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> good stuff. That's good stuff, though. Just how was the show? Oh, how was the rest review this week? Oh, you know how they used to be subtle? No, they never were. Well, they've become even less so. <laughs> All right, so what's the worst thing about the Brooklyn Brawler? Ooh, this is tough. I'm going to say... Worst thing about the Brooklyn Brawler is this. The worst thing about the Brooklyn Brawler is that uh, every fucking... His entire legacy is basically just a bunch of shithead wrestlers being like, he's gay and that's bad. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty bad. I think my the worst thing about the Brooklyn Brawler, uh, to me... I mean, it's also another... It's the second best thing, actually. It's, I'll do two best thing segments. Is that he's the only wrestler I've ever seen with not with who doesn't have a uh, signature moves section on Wikipedia. His signature move is like go to the back and be like, oh, do you guys want a sandwich or something? All right. Uh, <laughs> His signature move is sell on the way to the back and then stop and just eat as much of the leftover food that Diesel didn't like as possible. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why Kevin doesn't like ham. I love it. Nah. <laughs> 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 He's just like ham and all-dressed chips or whatever <laughs> weird shit's left over. No one likes all-dressed. I've taught myself to live on it. Brooklyn Brawler tire die consists of what a newly divorced man buys at a grocery store. 100%. 180%. <laughs> He's for sure, like, all his meals were like crushed ham sandwiches because everyone was just <laughs> bumping into them and then cauliflower. <laughs> just... With no dip. No dip cauliflower. Just everything that's left over on a veggie platter. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Sweet. My favorite cauliflower. Time to eat that with a rolled up <laughs> It's WrestleMania, and he's like, God damn it, they got extra celery. Now I get to have some. Whoa. Oh, this is a good day. <laughs> Hulk Hogan, you might be the champion of the world, but I'm the champion of the salad bar. Look at this. Entire <laughs> steamer tray of spinach. I'm going to keep this in my room. <laughs> <laughs> holy fuck she's just really excited it's various foods you could use oh potatoes i'll keep these in a jar and eventually i'll have vodka <laughs> so that was the brooklyn brawler uh next week we're gonna do can i just say this about the like aska last week brooklyn brawler this week is it's been so nice talking about people that are like, here's some nice fellas that enjoy their jobs, as opposed to the streak we were on for a while, which was just like, the nightmare man, the nightmare man, who's going to come and touch you? It's the nightmare man. Oh, no, they've got pills. Oh, no, they don't care. He has AIDS on purpose to make his wife lose weight. Oh, no, buddy. Next week, we're definitely going back to the nightmares because it's Crash Holly, baby. Oh, no, 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 no. He'd be like, if the Brooklyn Brawler died <laughs> yeah no crash always yeah. crash always even worse because Cra uh, brooklyn brother was never forced to be in a tag team with like uncle uncle punch you in the face just to make sure you're not a girl that's great yeah i mean it's gonna be a good week crash holly's next week john what the fuck do you have to promote February 8, 9, I am at Soho Theatre in London, England. Attend. Also, Australian tour dates coming up. Please come to that. And, ladies and gentlemen, if you want to 
Uh, guess what? Announcing here. End of February. My new album, John Hastings, Come Baby, is coming out. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> yeah. And it's spelled the non-traditional way because iTunes will not let you put it up as Come Baby. Oh, really? Yeah. What a fucking bunch of shits. <laughs> okay, so c- buy Come Baby. February 8th and 9th at Soho Theater for Johnny Boy. Any other information at the John Hastings on Twitter. I'm at Dylan Gott, D-Y-L-A-N-G-O-T-T on Twitter. And I will be in Port Hope, Ontario, Canada. January uh, 26th, that's the Saturday, at local number 90. That's at 8 p.m. And then Gravenhurst on the 25th, that's the Friday, at the Sawdust Brewery. And that is, of course, at 8 p.m. as well. Tickets are available at the door and online for both of those shows. Just go at Dylan Gott on Twitter and you'll find a link. And please rate and subscribe. If you guys aren't in the area of any of our shows, just go subscribe uh, and rate us. It would really help us out with all the stupid fucking algorithms. And go give a low rating to one of our friends' podcasts, too. That'd be fun. Also, uh, just something you guys should know about how sad next week's episode is going to be. Crash Holly was found dead in Stevie Richards' house. <laughs> not even yoga could save him. Yeah. Not, <laughs> what a horrible, horrible situation. Not even the positivity of 17 chances at a career could save Crash Holly. What a beautiful, beautiful time it's going to be. That's next week. Thanks very much for listening, guys. Uh, You guys are the best. We'll see you guys next week. Bye-bye. I'm better than all of you. Dylan's a pedophile. Goodbye.